And it is Matt Hawk on the kick it. Pressure. Hawk has it blocked. It's scooped out for the score. Touchdown. Ulysses Gilbert, the third. Melvin Gordon looking for a big run. There goes Melvin Gordon. Turn it on the afterburner is being chased. And all the way to the house. 70 yard touchdown. Gonna throw. Drake picked up the pressure all alone is Zay Jones. And he will prance into the end zone for the touchdown and the victory in overtime for the Raiders. And this celebration is for real. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, we're into it now. Football, football, football. Hi and hello, sports fans, and welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel. Make sure you're following all the fun at Minus Three Pod and betting along with us or fading us, however you choose. FanDuel.com slash Minus Three, the word minus the number three, Eddie Spaghetti. It was a grand weekend for roughly half of football fans out there. Not good for you. Great news. You get uh, another bite at the apple. In just a couple of days here, your gents are about to take on Washington. Um, we'll see how that goes, and we'll break it down for you in just a second here with our pal from You Better You Bet, Nick Costos, about to join us here to talk about the gents and pro football in general as we transition from week one to week two. Spaghetti, as you know, everybody calls it right now. Overreaction Monday, overreaction week. I instead call it Mulligan Week. I'm going to allow you, I'm going to give myself the same benefit. All football fans out there can take a mulligan and back off of some of their strongly held opinions in pro football and college football. So much to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. I like Peyton and Eli in the booth on Monday night. Nay, I loved it. I loved the game up in in, uh, Western New York, obviously. Loved seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers defense looked like one of the uh, one of the great pass rushes, even by their measure. This all of a sudden feels like I don't want to talk about overreacting. I don't want to get too crazy here, but egad, that was that was nasty stuff that Josh Allen was under. I think that that will make the Steelers um, a, a, that defense gives them a shot in most games that they're going to play this year. Um, I'm trying to think of what not to overreact to, what to take a mulligan on. I did push hard. The Titans is the number one seed in the AFC. That's the one I'll pull back on. The Ravens, I told you about. I don't think that's a great team. Other than that, I feel pretty clean. My opinions going into the season remain what they were, and I do want to talk some college football here and get your early thoughts on some of the games that loom there and some 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 real intriguing ones, as a matter of fact. But Eddie Spaghetti, go ahead. Start us off. Get in on it. It'll be cleansing for you. Purge whatever you need to purge. Take your mulligan. Swing away. Well, uh, my, my mulligan, uh, one of, I guess, a few now after week one, but the, the the Packers, I was pretty high in the Packers. It was a best bet that I gave out. I thought the Packers, especially in a Saints home game, but not really a home game, they're going to come in there. Aaron Rodgers, if they're a very strange offseason, long-haired Aaron Rodgers, who was on you know a thousand vacations with his girlfriend, is going to come in, throw for five touchdown passes and go, I'm Aaron Rodgers. This is what why you don't draft a backup quarterback to, to replace me and yada, yada, yada. And Instead, we have Jameis Winston, who I guess is his eyes are fixed now because of LASIK, has no turnovers, throws five touchdown passes, and they whooped him 38-3. to I mean, not to overreact completely because it is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 
probably have the best roster uh, in the NFC North by a wide margin. Uh, the, you know, the Vikings did lose to the Bengals, so um, there's no real team there. I thought it was going to like jump them. The Bears may have the worst pass defense in the whole NFL, and the Lions were a fun – that was a really fun game to watch, the Lions – but it's like no one really has that much faith in Jared Goff, although I am rooting for Jared Goff and the Lions this year. After I said uh, a few weeks back, I, I love the idea of the Lions playing the Super Bowl, Goff winning it in L.A. after being ousted from the city. But uh, so they'll, they'll, they'll probably end up winning the division, the Packers. But they definitely that was, will. That was so, yeah, it was just an atrocious view. And it's just like, what? I don't know if that was a lack of preparedness on the whole team. If Rogers was really that bad, was it like, was he, is like an inside job? Was he like, I'm going to really screw over this team badly. Like, I don't know. Like it was so many weird thoughts about that game, which is unfairly takes away from how good Jameis was. Cause I also doubted the saints. Uh, so this is like a double whammy for me. Cause I did not believe in Sean Payton's philosophy of quarterback. I don't like the messing around. If Jameis is your guy, Damashek liked it though, right? Damashek told he you. Did. you remember he did. saying Jameis and the saints. He called it. Uh, you called it, and I, I don't like the whole Taysom Hill experiment, and I thought he was going to ruin drives, but uh, who needs Taysom Hill now because Jameis is that good, and I thought there would be issues without Michael Thomas and whatever, but they were great. The Saints looked great. Uh, they beat a, a Packers team that a lot of people had in probably their NFC title game. Now that question, that's really up in the air, so that's one of uh, that game of two mulligans for me. Obviously, my Giants pick, which I'm sure we'll get into with Nick, but that was really as bad as it gets. Outside of that, though, I mean, it was a fun week one. A lot of good close games, a lot of interesting games. But uh, yeah, I would like those those three uh, picks. Uh, well, to the, be the, the craziest week I always say is for whatever reason it's week three. I think it's we think we know two games in we understand what every team is and. The bookmakers think it too, and it just gets the craziest results. But, I, you know, always I, I, I forewarn people. I, I guess I don't do it too loudly because, you know, getting a little action makes even week one more fun. But those are really uh, shots in the d- dark. We don't know what these teams are fully. I mean, obviously, if the Chiefs were playing uh, the Texans, you could probably have a strong sense of who's going to win that game going into week one. But they, the results were just bizarre from some of the expectations. Um, and now all of a sudden coming out of that, you have a lot of double digit numbers going into week two. The Packers on Monday night to jump to the end of the novel laying 11 and a half to the Lions there. I just don't love those gi- those gigantic double-digit numbers for anybody. But like the Buccaneers, 11 and a half to the Falcons, I, it's hard to lay off of that one. But I just think philosophically you have to. The Browns hosting the Texans. Of course, the Browns must win that game. The Texans are already feeling good about themselves. They're ahead of... Uh, what most people expected them to do over the course of the season. They won a game, put your feet up the rest of the season, but 12 and a half for anybody is too much in a pro football game. Um, In the meantime, Spaghetti, I do very quickly before we get Nick in here, and then we'll break down all our pro football bets for you. On Thursday, as we always do with Kevin Hench, he's upcoming. We'll be interested to hear what he thought about Mac Jones' debut. It sounds like Mac's uh, Patriots teammates think he wasn't the issue. The rest of them were... They're going in to play the Jets, another number that uh, jumps out at me, plus five and a half for for the Jets at home. Very easy to jump on Belichick and company. Meantime, let's talk some college football here. Eddie Spaghetti, very happy, by the way. My, uh, my old man used to always say when I was growing up, and this was especially true when it was Penguin season, so like October, November, December, but when... Pitt won on Monday, and this was this was my childhood experience. I'm not trying to brag. This is what it was. Um, we would go to Pitt football games, noonish start. 
Then, if we were lucky, the Penguins were at home, and we could go have a meal and then go to the Penguins game, and then there would be a Steelers game on Sunday. So those three were the best. But my old man used to always push, like, you know, if, but he would mean it. It wasn't a joke. He really thought this was true. Um, I really should check the number someday that when Pitt wins on Saturday, that means the Steelers are going to win on Sunday. That was true this past weekend. Let's hope that keeps on rolling. Pitt now minus 15 and a half. I'm not going to bet against the Pitt Panthers as always, but Western Michigan is good at football. It's a lot of points, trap game, all of that. They have a big win in SEC country last week. People are now saying they'll be 5-0 and by the time they start to get to the, the um, ACC heavyweights. I'm leaning towards Western Michigan on that one. Otherwise, to go over some numbers for you that jump out, Spaghetti, weigh in on any and all of these. Lost its luster bowl, Nebraska at Oklahoma, such a huge game in my youth all the way up until maybe a decade or so ago, and then Nebraska fell off a cliff. They're at Oklahoma, overrated right now. I guess it's okay for them to be third in the country, but these polls, Spaghetti, these preseason polls are making me batty. I hate Penn State. Yeah. What are they doing behind Ohio yep. State who lost a home game? That they were favored to win, by the way, by two touchdowns. And Burt Breer's jumping on me, the Ohio State guy. I get where he's coming from, but they lost a home game. How could they be behind Penn State who won a Big I, Ten game in big uh, on the road in the Big Ten? How can you possibly justify putting Ohio State still ahead of Penn State? It makes me crazy. It's uh, it's it's what you said. It's like they have these these preconceived notions about these preseason polls where they want <clears throat> the X amount of teams they think are the upper echelon teams to be in the conversation no matter what for the playoff. And obviously those early season losses don't sting as much. So they want to just move them back, but only a little bit so that they win the rest of their schedule and they can move slide back because the basically what they're saying is they don't trust the Penn State's. They don't trust the Iowas. They don't trust any other team in that mix of those undefeateds right now. They don't trust them to stay undefeated the entire season. So that's – I get what they're doing, but it's unfair because the minute that Iowa loses, the minute that Penn State loses, they're getting they're getting shipped to, like, the 20s, like, when, the minute they lose a game. Whereas Clemson or Ohio State lose, they're right there. I mean, Notre Dame looks miserable, and that's, like, the one team they actually treated right where they were up high. They won, but it looked like – crap they drop them a, a few it's just you know there's this real no it's it's clear like what they're doing they, they, they there's no pulling the wool over our eyes we see exactly right through it but it's up to the teams that are undefeated right now to stay undefeated and win uh like in oregon as well but you know the it, it is unfair and it shows that the huge balance like between what, what they perceive as the great teams and teams that are a nice story for the time being but it's 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 definitely unfair which is it's why we need a, more teams and it's in the not playoff. a conspiracy theory that they're in they're in the bag for espn or for the network or for what it's these are individual voters it's just this pure self-validation why well, yeah but i i know that uh i know that they lost but i liked ohio state going into this season they'll they'll, they'll figure this out i'm gonna keep them pretty close to the to the top spot what what are we doing what you keep no the ohio state one bugs me because you, Cle you lost could, the game clemson lost. no clemson lost. fine they'll you work could their way i could up. argue clemson I could argue Clemson hanging around because they lost to the probable second best team in the country and a team that I picked to be in the championship game. And I think Clemson should blow every team that's good the rest of the way. Ohio State did play a shaky game. But what you think Minnesota, they should they do the rest of the way. But, but what you think they should do the rest of the way should not impact how that's my point. You can't. That's not how you rank teams. It's based on the evidence you've, right. you've gotten already, which is that Penn State is undefeated. Ohio State isn't. What are we doing? But. I, I think the polls also should indicate 
like where they team it, like the best teams when you are the best teams number one and then two three four obviously, obviously in descending order Clemson there's no way you can convince me that Penn State's better than Clemson so it's I one know. of those things where I get it they lost but again their poll should indicate that they lost and they should be ranked lower than the undefeated it's fair but putting 20 teams ahead of Clemson is dumb because they're Clemson of the 20th That's best team in the country. what it's Clemson about you is just a lot said, better than a lot of teams you just said it Eddie Spaghetti it's self-validation and also fear of being embarrassed by your peer group or something like you, you think huh, you think Cincinnati's better than Clemson no I don't but but one of them has lost the game. It'll work itself out, but people get scoochy like, I'm worried about having egg on my face that we're going to reach Thanksgiving and I'm going to have... Like, well, if Cincinnati doesn't lose and they beat Notre Dame and Indiana, they will rightly... They should. Yeah, which they will. Well... Oh, oh, look who's uh, feeling bitter about his teams now. I give up on sports. I don't care. Okay. I mean, they can't be Toledo. They could barely be Toledo at home. I, why, why, why am I bothering watching them on Saturdays on, on the Peacock app? Why am I bothering watching paying for Sunday ticket watching the Giants on Sundays? It's, it's ask, a load of crap. Ask sports, the man so in the mirror that question. By the way, you can listen to yeah. your friend Eddie Spaghetti coming up with Jen Piacente on a, what is it going to be, a live stream fantasy show every week? Uh, yeah, just basically what uh, we've been doing on Extra Points, the Twitter handle. We're going to try to start moving the platform to YouTube and the Facebook as well. Oh, nice. So all three uh, apps, social media apps you can watch it on. But uh, yeah, if you follow Extra Points on Twitter, we'll have the, the live stream going up. And that will be available. We're pretty sure on podcast form. Um, but yeah, me and Jen, who does great work uh, for us, uh, she was on waiver wire. Now those are daily MLB picks. Also, uh, one of the best in the biz at f- fantasy football as well. So we're going to have a fantasy football aspect for extra points, which is great. And Jen's as good as it gets, like I said. So we'll be fielding people's questions from Twitter. Jen, I know, gets a bunch of, uh, like, you know, mailbag emails from her you know so she'll bring some of those up so we'll have a bunch of stuff we'll go over the you know the big he- fantasy headlines stardom sit them all that kind of stuff so it looks like we're going to be starting on wednesday and it should be available in, in podcast form as well so we're, we're excited to to get that started up. all right that is good uh muzzle tub to you and jen uh that'll be a great show meantime let's get back to where i was seven minutes ago oklahoma you would look at that if it were a random team not named the corn huskers you could make a case that maybe oklahoma early on here um, you know, doesn't uh, isn't fully engaged before they jump into their more relevant action within the conference. But it is Nebraska. I think you can safely lay the 22 and a half against their still rival. Bam at Florida rivalry game, SEC game. It's at Florida. Emory Jones kind of ceding some control. There's a there's a, a quarterback controversy. I think you can probably I'm not going to do it yet. Talk about a mulligan. Emory Jones for the Heisman, that's not looking great um, because he's because Emory Jones is kind of getting Tebowed there with his backup. But unless he starts his entire game and beats Alabama, I think, then, then yeah, then it's a mulligan. That's why I'm not taking the mulligan here. I'm going to stick with the preseason pick and I'm going to stick with Emory Jones at least enough to say that the Gators cover the 15 and a half. I'll say you. This is the most uh, important game, I think, so far on the college football schedule. I know people, the Clemson-Georgia, I said I still think if either of those teams lost, they could still make the playoff. Not that big of a deal. This is the game that's going to indicate us if Alabama is by themselves on the top, you know, the Mount Everest team. The only one up there, if that's Alabama, if they, like, go into Gainesville and just pull the doors off Florida, there is no point of us caring about second, third, fourth best teams, AP polls, which co- conference is moving to which conference. It's just that Alabama 
and Bryce Young, they're gonna he's gonna win the Heisman, they're gonna win the national championship again, and there's nothing else we could do about it. And like maybe uh, we'll have a you know a Georgia Alabama title game or something if that could somehow work out with the seeding, and that may be okay as an as a game. I don't know. There's no other team I think that could take, could stand with them. So if now if Florida and Emory Jones if he does play and they give them a run for their money and it's a close game, it's a tight game, then maybe we'll say okay, you know Georgia has a shot, Oklahoma may have a shot. If Ohio State you know, runs the table, potentially, you know, uh, Clemson will be involved as well. Then we'll see. And if and, and if Florida wins too, they're in the conversation along with Oregon as well. I should throw Oregon in there. But if Florida wins, like they're ranked. I'm not sure where they are now. Twelve, thirteen, somewhere around there. If they if they win this game, I mean, they're going to be right at the top too. So I think this game is very, very big to see if there's actually a handful of teams in the mix with the national championship, or if it's just another year where it's only Alabama and that's all that matters. So. Uh, I would say I'm pro Alabama. I picked them in our futures uh, pool and I have Bryce Young to win the Heisman. I'm going to stay with Alabama laying the points uh, in Gainesville, but this is, um, I hope this is a classic. I hope this is not a, you know, a 40 to 13 Bama route. I hope this is a good well, game. Well, I'm conflicted because I love the, I love the, uh, the long odds on Emory Jones, but Anthony Richardson, I don't know if you would say he's been the better guy, but it is that Tebow factor, like I say, of, you know, the even though you don't yeah, like comes it. comes in, throws a big touchdown. Well, you're right. he's, a, he's a moose. He, you know, he's a, he, he's... Well, yeah, but that, that pass, yeah, it was great. He's trucking guys and everything, but he got hurt last week, and I I think it's unclear. I, they've announced it's, uh, it's Jones this week, but I don't know if Richardson plays at all because I think he, uh, you know, hurt his leg, and I don't know that he... I mean, if he's a runner primarily i think then i don't know that you you throw him out there but you do like that change up of putting him on the field against bama's defense anyhow i'm gonna take the gators plus the 15 and a half usc some intrigue there as herb is shown the door i don't think that usc is desperate to get herb i don't know why you would be the mercenary they uh, look at usc and maybe they'll swing um the other way which is what they should do they they have Petros Papadakis is great. He's Matt Money Smith's uh, radio partner. You know Money from this show. Um, and here in Los Angeles, they do uh, a, a gangbusters <laughs> afternoon drive show. And Petros, former USC running back, great and unvarnished truth about USC, generally points to their obsession with the Pete Carroll era. I get it, except they've tried that a number of times to try to recreate that with assistant coaches and otherwise. It's enough of that jive. So I do think they go the opposite direction of that. So Urban Meyer makes sense, except for the fact at some point, do you want Urban Meyer? If, if, if he really did leave, if you could blow a call into him today and say like, would you leave Jacksonville after everything that went into him going to Jacksonville? If he's willing to pull the plug on that one this quickly, as quickly as he has everywhere out or relatively speaking, it's too volatile. I don't think that's the, the right way to go. Go get Dan Campbell or somebody like that. But it is intriguing either way now. That they go up to Wazoo. Who cares about this game otherwise? But minus eight and a half, where do you come down? Do you think the team gets a boost from this? Because everybody seems to like Clay Hilton. They like it. Oh, what a great guy he was. So maybe they're sad. Or do you think they're liberated yeah. now? I have I have heard that from a lot of people that everyone does like Clay Hilton. I mean, USC, We're last week we were talking about this team, you know, kicking the crap out of Stanford and actually giving Oregon a run for the money in the Pac-12. 
I'm not going to waver for that just because of the head coach. I mean, I think Clay Helton was was never the answer, and people knew that a few seasons back. USC's team is still the same, and Keaton Slovis is a guy that people did like for a dark horse for the Heisman. Uh, they're the better team than Wazoo, so I, I do I like USC to rebound on this one. As that usually this. works, right? And, and, that you, mid yeah. during the season, you change coaches. You usually get one good game out of uh, the coaching change. Yeah, I mean USC still recruits better than than Wazoo sure. and pretty much every team in the Pac-12. Anyway, so they they have the better roster. Um, and in terms of their coaching, uh, higher or future, I don't think it's or Meyer. I mean, I also to give Urban a little bit of credit. I know if he's not really well liked by the masses, but he has a large large portion of control in Jacksonville, and he was attached to this entire draft. And I don't see why he would give this up to start a built rebuild a program and in USC when you have to just go through a few years of recruiting anyway. And it's like then players wouldn't potentially trust them. I think the answer for them, and he's been linked to the job for a bit, is James Franklin. He's a, a like a four million dollar buyout. He's done a really good job at kind of revamping Penn State, and Has instead he? of being Penn, recruiting, well, think about this: you're you're a Penn State, and you're you're constantly they're always ranked. I mean, they, they they have lost some some bigger games. They've obviously dropped off, but they've been in the mix for the Big Ten for the last few few years. But the when you're when you're trying to out recruit Ohio State and Wisconsin and, and Michigan, it's it's tough. When you move over to USC, it's like, well, no one's gonna pick, you know, Wazoo, for example, over Southern Cal if they can get to, to USC. So I think that makes it a lot easier for him. And he seems to be a player's coach and guys kinda rally around him. I think that's probably the answer where they'll go with. Obviously there's a other bunch of other names, maybe you know, Bob Stoops will come out of retirement and oh, go to USC and terrible. kind of change their offense. Oh, that would be. I, I don't like that move at all. He's he's a kind of. Uh, I don't. I don't like going for the older guy. But James Franklin is a younger coach. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think what makes sense is get a guy who. I mean, the Pete Carroll model, but not somebody from the Pete Carroll era. I'm saying get an NFL guy because Los Angeles, two pro football teams, close proximity to the fancy new stadium. USC is a uh, is a, a, a waiting room for pro football very often. Create that perception and get, get further entrenched in that. Yeah, the Ducks are good up there and UCLA's cute right now and everything else, but we're USC, we're a football factory, and we'll put you in the NFL, 17-year-old kid. I think that's the way to go. Go get a guy with NFL roots as a head coach, not somebody who is a lackey or a play caller behind Pete Carroll. Go get... Uh, Go get somebody with some NFL roots. I think that's I. You know who I? He. I don't think he would be interested in coaching. But go get Willie McGinnis. Nobody's got more juice in Southern California among uh, among seventeen year olds to this day than Willie McGinnis. He would help with recruiting immeasurably. I've had the conversation with him. I don't think he would be a defensive coordinator or a head coach. Or maybe I'd be wrong at this point because that conversation is a few years old. I do think bringing him in to the building in a in a uh, more uh, formal way would would benefit the program uh you mentioned penn state huge one for them huge one for auburn auburn a good team sec coming up to a big 10 school we'll see what penn state is for real in the whiteout it's not going to be good because it's only going to be the navy jersey and then nothing but white too much white white in the stands white helmets on uh, auburn white jersey white pants white helmet white it's, it's not going to look as good as people think it is i think I'm going to take Auburn here on the road. I know I'm talking about Penn State, and that's not that doesn't make me a hypocrite that I'm saying Penn State should. If they lose a game, then yes, Penn State should not be ahead of Ohio State any longer. But for now, they should be. I think Auburn at least plus six and a half is the play there. UCLA, 
I'm, I'm laying off this one because Fresno's coming to the Rose Bowl to play them. I don't know. Fresno's good. If UCLA covers 11 and a half against a good Fresno team, then you know that that team's for real. I, I don't have a feel for it, so I'm going to lay off that one. And uh, lastly, prayers up. You know how they always do like when um, – when you know they cut to the mom when two bro- when when her two sons are playing each other and she's in the split jersey that's going to be Jesus this week in uh, uh, Old Dominion versus Liberty he's going to be like he's going to be like this and and like half the jersey I don't know what colors uh, Liberty wears but that's uh, prayers up to to him with <laughs> a tough tough spot for him he's a, he's going to be a big winner in the big loser of the game like well, I don't even know what to think anyhow. Um, what do you think, Spaghetti? We ready? You could, any final thoughts on college football before we bounce to the pro level here? I'll just give it the last pick I do like uh, is Penn State. Uh, what are they oh, giving? Six and a half right oh, now at home. Okay. I like Penn State. I like James Franklin apparently got into the whole skin of everyone at Auburn because of his like one and no tweet kind of mocking what they did because they, you know, Auburn beat up on like a low level program and whatever. And I think this mm-hmm. is a year that Penn State didn't have the buzz preseason, but actually is a, probably a better team. I agree with I that. Clifford's been there for it seems like seven years. I think so you're they're, right. they're a little bit better than people realize because there wasn't a lot of buzz. And uh, like you said, at home, the whiteout's going to be packed uh auburn doesn't travel really that that much to the big 10 i think it's been decades since they've done this so i think for them it's gonna be a tough environment bo Nix never really turned out to be the quarterback that everyone thought he would have been when he went to auburn so uh, i do like penn state in this i thought the police were coming to get you for your joke about jesus there heard that uh heard the sirens in the background there all right good stuff there now let's talk about week two including thursday night football nick costos will shortly have some thoughts about the week two starter for us in our nation's capital yes the nfl is back you already know that and FanDuel sportsbook wants to get you the most out of every play that's why they're giving everyone a ten dollar risk-free bet every week all you have to do is bet a same game parlay with three legs or more and if your bet doesn't win FanDuel will pay you back up to $10. I love the FanDuel Sportsbook, of course, for fun bets like this one. Fast payouts, easy to use. This is what makes it America's number one sportsbook. Eddie Spaghetti. Giants did not look good at home on Sunday. Now they're on the road. I feel like a lot of people are excited about Heineke taking over for Fitzmagic as much as they love the hilarious uh, Fitzmagic. How say you going into this one? We'll get a, a deeper breakdown with Nick in just a second here. Uh, what I would do for this game is I would take the total under, which is at 41 and a half. I would take the Giants in the spread plus the three points. And another one I like, and you can actually take both of these two. You can do a four leg same game parlay if you want, is the away total points, the away team, the Giants under the 19 and a half and the home total points that would be WFT uh, 22 and a half I also like that under I like the Giants to win this hmm. game not I think both teams are bad I know I've had some Washington fans come at me whatever like look the Giants aren't good and you guys aren't good <laughs> sorry Ryan Fitzpatrick like I said all year long he wasn't going to be great he gets hurt anyway so Heineke's in there Curtis Samuel's been hurt they tried to run the offense through Antonio Gibson didn't have a great game yes I know the Chargers defense is good but now knowing that there's not really the passing threat in the offense I think Gibson's going to have a much harder time to get going uh you know Daniel Jones is undefeated versus WFT I don't know what that means but he's found a way to beat them 
the Kenny Galladay has said that the Giants offense did not run most of their playbook because the skill guys never played together. And I expect the offense to be a little bit more exciting. But then again, it's Jason Garrett and the Giants don't score above 20 points playing with Jason Garrett. So I can see the Giants winning this game like 17, 13, and it's an ugly game. It's it's not inspiring hope. But they'll win this one, and people will think all is right, and it's the truth. The matter, like it's not right. Nothing is right in New York. So I think Gibson. I think Gibson has a nice day. I like the under as low as that is, forty-one and a half. I'll go the other way. I'll take Washington in this one. There's your same game parlay. Take Antonio Gibson to go over his rush totals, and uh, and that's that. However you want to bet it, make sure you do it. Fanduel.com/slash-minus three. That's the important part. Make sure you're using the promo code minus the word. The number three, that's how you join us or fade us either way. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now let's talk to Nick. All right, here we go. His big return. We always love it when he's on with us, even after a Giants loss, perhaps even more so. (laughs) From You Better You Bet, we love going on there. Kibitson with him on his great show. One of the great... uh, One of the great follows in football season, and in fact, in the 365-day sports calendar. Now, it's Nick Costos. What's happening, Pally? Check check what's going on. Great to be on with you here. And you're right, man, especially after a Giants loss. I feel like uh, like, like to welcome me to the program. But great to be on with you guys um, after what was an awesome week one. And I have a feeling I'll be eating some uh, some crow and some humble pie after what a certain team in black and gold was able to accomplish this weekend um, a couple miles, uh, a couple hours away from where I live right now. Well, listen, that's exactly right. That's the theme of the day. That's the theme of the week. People call it overreaction Monday or whatever. They called it that uh, at the start of the week. I'm just going to say so that we don't live too much in the rearview mirror. We're still trying to press forward um, and figure things out here. So I'm just going to call it Mulligan Week here. Anything that you believe deep in your balls, I'm going to allow you here and now to... To wash all that. Well, balls are the talk right now in Trinidad and otherwise. Oh, yeah. Um, Are we um, are any mulligan you want to take on a team, on a player, on a division, on a Super Bowl and otherwise? Now's your chance. And I just want to say just to show you that I'm not putting the pressure on you or Eddie Spaghetti or anyone else and not doing it myself. I feel I'm mostly happy with my prognostication going into the season, the Tennessee Titans though, I don't know if uh, picking them to betting them, the odds were nice, but to get the number one seed in the AFC very quickly seems like a bad bet. Costos, how say you? How about your guy, Todd Downing, by the way, great offensive game plan. And by great, I mean, one of the worst I've ever seen. Can we send Arthur Smith back to Tennessee right now? Like, let's just do that just for like fantasy purposes for prop bet overs. Let's get Arthur Smith back to Tennessee. Let someone else run the Falcons here. Get Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts more involved in the game plan here because that was absolutely terrible this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, since you're a big Steelers guy and I came on the show and I blasted the Steelers all offseason, I feel like I need to take a mulligan here. Now, I will say, now I'm wrong. I was wrong about the Steelers, but I do want to issue a caveat here. They're going to be better than I thought, so my initial take was wrong. Um, I think they're clearly going to be in contention this year. I still don't think their ceiling is, like, astronomically high because I still have questions about the offense, right? Like, 
And maybe it's a question of Buffalo's defensive line being really good. And I think that's a question we need to answer, right? Was was last Sunday more about the Steelers' offense or was it more about Buffalo's improved defense with the additions on the, the line with Rousseau and obviously Basham in the draft and the uh, the development of players like, uh, like A.J. Epineza? So I think that's a question that needs to be answered. But Pittsburgh's defense obviously answered the bell in a big way on Sunday. Um, T.J. Watt was magnificent. That was a big question mark for me. Is he going to be in game shape? The answer, of course was a resounding yes. And once they get Stefan Tuitt back off IR, like this is going to be a team that's going to be at, at the very least going to be, I think, in, in the thick of the playoff contention. And I thought they were going to be bad this year. So certainly a mulligan for me on Pittsburgh. I'm still not convinced that the offense is going to be any great shakes here. We'll see how they do against Vegas this weekend. In theory, should be able to move the ball a little bit more. But I got to take I got to take a mulligan here, um, at least through one week. You know, we said on You Better You Bet last week. I don't think we're going to learn much about Buffalo in this game, win or lose, because I think we still think Buffalo is going to be fine. The offense is going to be fine. But I think we're going to learn a lot about Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh gets rolled over in this game, they're probably going to be bad. If they keep it closer win, they're probably going to be good. I got to stick to what I said. I think they're probably going to be good, which means, yes, Dave Damashek, I was wrong about the Pittsburgh Steelers this offseason heading into the year. All right. A little, a little Jerry Orbach never hurt anybody. In fact, it's good for the soul. When you're wrong, say you're wrong, like the late great Orbach did at the end of Dirty Dancing. Yeah, listen. My concern Nobody was, puts uh, Nick Costos in a corner, except legitimately. For well done. Well done. Uh, since that movie came out probably before you walked the planet Earth. Good for you on that reference. Um, I, I do think that the offensive line going into this game in that environment, in a, in a jacked up uh, Buffalo stadium filled and everybody loaded up and ready to roll and excited for their Super Bowl contending team. I mean, the first takeaway for me with the Bills was, man, I don't know how you figure this thing out exactly if you're McDermott on down, but if you're paying Josh Allen that level of bet. He was scattershot, man. He looked like he did as a rookie. He was missing everybody, like like short and deep in this game. That's what happens to every to almost every single human being, even the ones that play starting quarterback in pro football. If you get after them, they are not as good as when they when things are nice and clean around them. That is the number one factor, as I've said for a decade now. I, it, it doesn't matter who you're talking about. Wow, if what a nice strong and, take by Dave. Well, Dan. guess what? No one else, no one else can guess come what? up with that. If you pressure the quarterback, he's not going to be as good. Then Dave's been saying that for a decade, man. I hope you've been listening. I, the point being, people. Uh, you, you, you can be a wiseacre if you want, or it's time to learn, Nick. This is what everybody comes up with, all these other things that are that are big factors in whether or not this guy's good. Why isn't this guy better? This guy is surprising everyone. It's because things are nice and clean or they're not. That's what uh, determines whether these guys do well. And you saw that on Monday Night Football with Lamar Jackson. As I have been saying... All offseason, I don't like that offensive line in front of Lamar Jackson. For him to really thrive, it's gonna, it's got to be a top 10 unit. It does not appear to be that. And lo and behold, looked awfully mortal there, didn't he, against uh, a not-world-beating Raiders team. Although, maybe the Raiders are good, and maybe that could be a mulligan that we can talk about. But I will say about Josh Allen specifically, I'd be concerned if I were a Bills I mean, I guess if, especially if you're a Bills fan. You were talking about your Giants beating them in Super Bowl 25 and one of the great Super Bowls of all time. Um, and, you know, it does kind of make you feel like, I mean, th that one Super Bowl for you 
Um, you don't remember the Phil Simms one, but you do remember the Jeff Hostetler one. And that's kept you warm through the lean years, I assume. In fact, you hold held up an old VHS to prove that. Oh, to, man, to listen, I'm, I'm good for the rest of my life just with Super Bowl 42. Like 46 was like a cherry on top of the Sunday. I'm golden, man. Like I sold that's my right. sports soul for Super Bowl 42. You, I, you're not going to hear me complain too much about sports and my fandom for the rest of my life. More for good fun for you. content, but, good for but I'm, you. I'm, go- I'm good, man. Like we, I got what I was looking for. This is the way to approach things. Every team, if it falls short of dynasty, doesn't mean it failed on some level. I, I think Milwaukee Bucks fans should embrace the idea that you may be one and done. Don't set yourself up for disappointment. Everything else will be a cherry on top of uh, the already great celebration you had this past spring. But with Josh Allen and Bills fans, I think that if you ask them, they would say, without being overly grim, if Josh Allen vanished from the planet Earth, in, uh, you know, at the end of uh, February 2022, as long as he has a Super Bowl championship under his belt and he delivered the Lombardi to uh, Buffalo, I think people that up there would be OK with that. But I do wonder if you're McDermott, and you're paying him that kind of loot and everything else. How wise is it to be uh, to be running the hundred million dollar man over and over on those draws? He gets the crap beat out of him. At least Lamar Jackson doesn't take very many shots. Now, he does fumble when he when he takes a shot. Clearly, we learned that from the Raiders. But yep. I'm a little bit concerned about about that. But I I think the Bills will write the ship. I do think that they're in for um, a, a much bigger battle to win their division. Um, than than they had last year. But regarding, you mentioned the Raiders and the Steelers, since the Raiders are fresh in your brain and you were just talking Steelers, in Heinz Field, Steelers given five and a half, total on that one is 48 and a half. How say you, Nick Costos? Give us your first pick for week two here. Um, I don't, well, I, I got other picks that I like here. I don't know if I'm ready to pick this game just yet, but on but on first blush here, I, I think I, I kind of like the Steelers. I kind of like Pittsburgh here in, in, in this game here. I feel like a lot of people are going to want to back the Raiders. Really emotional win in front of the home crowd. Now they got to go to Pittsburgh. And like, I, I give the Steelers a decided coaching advantage in this game. And I know the Raiders got it together in the second half, but like, I'm not, I'm not a huge John Gruden fan. Um, Gus Bradley did a really nice job though. And I'll say that, you know, going from what they had the last couple of years at, um, as the defensive coordinator to last night, I think the defense obviously got after it a little bit. Max Crosby certainly looked really good getting after the passer here. I, I'm not ready to like to give a firm pick for this game okay, yet, but my initial lean to. here is towards the Steelers. I do have two bets that I do like if we want to get to that. At we'll, some get, we'll get to them, friend. I, I do want to say though that what just jumps out that's uh, hyper-specific. If you saw Alex Leatherwood struggling um, in his first pro game, no big surprise there, and that was my assumption of why the Bills were going to beat the Steelers was they were ready to unleash the hounds. They were very proud of the pass rush that they'd put together um, in the offseason. It really, I'd be a little disappointed if I were a Buffalo fan. That's my big takeaway from week one was where was that against, uh, uh, against the lousy Steelers O-line? Now, I mean, well, the I, I, played well though. And like, a young I don't know, like, watching, watching glimpses of that game. Like, I don't know, like you'll appreciate this. It kind of felt like, those like Giants Niners games in the late eighties, early nineties, like really hard hitting on both sides. Like that was a fun defensive battle. And you know, you know how this works, man. You've been watching football forever. If Josh Allen hits Emmanuel Sanders deep early in the game for a touchdown, the Buffalo probably wins the game. Now, like he didn't. There were a couple, Pitt, there were a couple of moments credit. where that's true, right? But like, but the game could have like easily, easily flipped there. So I, you know, I still thought Buffalo's defense played pretty well. But to your point, would you have liked more more pressures, more sacks, of course, from the Buffalo defensive line? Well, and also the other takeaway is, though, as we go from week one into week two, 
that's going to be a problem for every team the Steelers play. Their their strength is clearly the pass rush, and it's nasty. I will say our pal Mark Cabali projects negatively that Stephon Tuitt gets back on the field by December, if at all, this season. That's something he floated in The Athletic last week. That's something to keep an eye on if you plugged him into that. Either way, though, um, the pass rush is nasty, and uh, and that's their, their greatest strength. The question is going forward over 16 more games is, how relevant is that in 2021? It's I thought it was interesting that Steve Young became the latest guy on Monday Night Football uh, in the pregame to say, like, Defense is nice, but who really cares? I mean, like, the way the game is framed at this point, it's all about offense, so there's a deficiency going forward. I don't know. Did Steve Young watch the Super Bowl this past past February? Because, I I don't know, it looked to me like Tampa's defense decided that game. I get it. I, I I'll I'll uh, hold off on my Steelers pick too. I do think that uh, some people are going to get a little bit excited about um, about the Raiders after last night. Um, I do think that there are some questions about the Ravens. But let's get to some of your picks here. I mean that that's another one. I kept telling you about the it, they're now that defensive front seven was good, but they cannot afford to lose anyone off of it. They're, they're just yeah. thin. They're the, the, the Ravens are thin. And I think now even more questions coming out of that one. And now they have the chiefs, which sets up as super fascinating that the Ravens could be Owen two Now let's get though, your the, the week two. And it involves your team, Eddie spaghetti. You jump in here to get a state of the union any mulligan for either one of you. I know, Costos, you were so a reason. I don't need reason. to take a mulligan. I'm I know you right don't. I appreciate I'm li- it. I am literally always right about the Giants. It's the one team that I am always right about. So I don't need to take a mulligan on this team because I've been right on them for years. If Eddie would like to take a mulligan, he can because I tried to tell him this team stinks. And we saw it on Sunday. I'll, I'll take the mulligan. Full, full-blown full mulligan, 100% mulligan. I, I was really bullish on the Giants to win the NFC East, and I was doubting the Cowboys. Uh, that Thursday night game showed us, yeah, the Cowboys' defense is pretty bad, but their offense should be good enough, and obviously they're playing the world champions, so they're, they're going to run away the division, no problem, obviously with the issues of quarterback with WFT, and Eddie, I think just Eddie, 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 Eagles Eddie, just beat Eddie, up on a bad Eddie, Falcons Eddie, team. Eddie, but Eddie, Eddie, hold on here. Eddie, Eddie. It's, it's not about the other teams in the division. Our team stinks. Like, let's let's keep it focused there. Forget about Washington, Philly, and Dallas. Our team stinks, mm. and it sucks. I want them to be good. But like, they're bad. Like, that's the bottom line. Nothing to do yeah. with any other team. Our team is bad. 100% correct. As long as Jason Garrett is still calling plays to the Giants, uh, there's going to be no hope for their offense. And the one thing that I think shocked every Giants fan and just football fans in general was a defense that was supposed to be very, very good this year, adding new pieces to a pretty good defense last year, just could not stop the Denver Broncos offense on third down or fourth down. Teddy Tuglows looked like an elite quarterback out there. Jason Fryer was getting lit up. That was the it best was, game he's ever played in his career. I think there's a chance might it might have been. I mean, the defense just there was no rush, and I think there was a couple maybe missed holdings in the interior part of the D line, but like there was just no push. It was it was really as bad as it gets, and uh, that was the real the most disappointing thing because the things that we were worried about going to this game didn't necessarily come to fruition. Like Andrew Thomas was great; he was actually the number one rated left tackle, pass blocking left tackle in the entire NFL, and and Logan Ryan was great, and then it just like the receiver, like Sterling Shepard looked great. Uh, there was just no deep passes. There was just no stop. Like I said, third down, no stopping the fourth down. Teddy Tuchel ripped them apart. The, even the Denver run game was was good. It was just, uh, it was, it was so miserable. Brown at the end of the game. Melvin Gordon's been dead miserable. for three years. It's his carcass running for a 70-yard touchdown. It's embarrassing, man. 
But they're going to suck me back in by winning Thursday. Um, they're going to win oh. Thursday because Daniel Jones has never lost WFT. And they're going to give their inspire hope. And then they're just going to suck it out of us. It's going to suck it out of us when they lose again, like five straight. Wait a and second. They've been, the, they've, been, they've been the worst team in the league for number of years now and it's just like it's not going to change until Mara starts hiring outside people not just his buddies that were on the team in the 80s you have to yeah, hire sure outside people and it'll it'll never happen and it's just I I don't want to waste my Sundays watching this team anymore I don't know why I did I don't know why I pay for Sunday ticket I just I hate I, I'm, I'm 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 so angry at myself for buying into them Bro, I'm so tired of this whole Super Bowl for DVD man like that's how I I may like have it. to but wait a second I, and it does it does make me miss Eli in a sense I watched something on like Reddit about Eli oh, versus, Eli. versus so Dallas Eli versus Dallas in the 07 run before the Super Bowl and it just like I miss like people make fun of Eli this and that it's like he was damn good like the throws yeah. he was making under pressure he was really awesome and I I really miss that I would try the way see that happen again can I tell you something about that here's a prediction he, well the, it's unprovable if he does go into the Hall of Fame but he'll get into the Hall of Fame in part because he's doing these Monday night football broadcasts with his brother I disagree with that I think it keeps him I think it keeps him alive in your mind and you watch him divine what should happen and shouldn't happen Romo's Romo's profile has elevated as a result of being able to call out everything pre-snap I really do think that this keeps him more relevant than he otherwise would have been and and these kind of things combined with Danny Dimes boy I miss Eli I think that that kind of elevates Eli but Spaghetti you you and <laughs> you and Nick are in lockstep. Mulligan, this is embarrassing. Big Blue, but then you just pick Big Blue on Thursday night football. By the way, Giants well, plus go three in seventeen. Well, I didn't say they are, but they're but they're plus three total on this one. A woeful forty-one and a half. It's a pro football game, everybody. Forty-one and a half. Costos, give us your pick for this one. Well, first off, can the can the Mannings just talk football like on that broadcast? Can we not get like the the Manning variety hour during a football game? Like I want to watch football when they were breaking down the actual game. It was riveting. I don't need them like making jokes and like Peyton turning into Saturday Night Live. Just talk about the game, guys, and it's going to be really what successful. A curmudgeon. What, what, what in hell? what a curmudgeon? Like I, I I play fantasy. I've got bets. I play daily fantasy. I want to see who's on the field. I want to talk about the game. I, if I want comedy, I'll like I'll turn on like a, a Netflix and watch a special. I don't need. Peyton and Eli comedy special. Talk about the damn game. Um, I <laughs> that was kind. I, you saved that curmudgeon by by invoking something 21st century with Netflix. But like, yeah, I put on a, a one of them uh, one of them specials with the skits well, that they do. With yeah. the, Listen, when I, I like get out there and Bob Hope, now that was now that was comedy. Talk but, about football. Like this isn't like rocket science. There's a game going on. Talk about the game. That's the best. Maybe a reception think, was way. bad. Maybe a reception was bad up there on Mount Pius. I found it delightful and insightful. Yeah. By the way, but okay, go ahead. It, it it definitely had its moments. Second half much better than first half. Is um, it better than the, the standard booth of those guys? Because I, I did watch. It was kind of like uh, I watched the first half in the traditional uh, broadcast booth. I mean, those guys with the like in the National Football League and this football team, well, quite yeah, frankly, and like yeah, oh. everything's the football player, the football this, the football uh, that. It's like how about this? I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna watch the Mannings. That's what I'm gonna do. Even if they're doing like, yeah, let's let's talk to you know Travis Kelsey about some BS that has nothing to do with the game. But it was it was overall entertaining. But guys, please just talk about the game. I do think, by the way, 
Giants offense going to get better as the season goes on. Like once Galladay gets more reps with Daniel Jones, they obviously didn't have an offseason together. Saquon's going to round into form. By the way, 8-24 and 24 since they drafted him. That was a great pick. The Ravens' 85th running back last night looked like Barry Sanders, and the Giants are drafting a running back second overall. Brilliant. Um, as far as this week goes, two early thoughts. Well, I, I feel Giants, like you're being sarcastic. No, no, it was a great pick. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, Tyson okay. Williams last night literally looked like Jamal Lewis, but we need to take a running back second overall. That's great. Um, I do like the Giants on Thursday night as a oh. pure numbers play here. The the number should be three. You want to tell me it's fits? You can talk me into three and a half. Maybe you can even talk me into four. And this is not like a diss on Taylor Heineke. Like he played well, obviously, in the wild card loss to, to Tampa. I think there's a chance like he could be a decent, you know, stopgap until Fitzpatrick gets back. It's not that I think he's bad, but I think the number has to be three. Like, I think this number closes at three on Thursday, and that's one of the key numbers in the National Football League, obviously, when you bet on games. So this is an easy bet. Doesn't mean it's going to win, but Giants at anything over a field goal becomes very valuable. So Giants plus three and a half is an easy one. And the other one that really stands out, and we talked about this yesterday, Monday on You Better You Bet, I know the Jaguars were absolutely brutal on Sunday. Like, they look like the Texans. They look like the worst team in the league. Urban might be skipping town at some point to go to USC. Like, that may happen. But, like, you can't tell me that Denver's a six-point road favorite in this game. Like, it's just – it's too big of an overreaction to me. Like, the market and, like, closing numbers dictate that Denver cannot be six in this game. Denver three and a half? Maybe. Denver six? Absolutely not. So, I know it stinks. You don't want to do it. Denver looked good. Jacksonville looked as bad as you can look. Six points at home. It's an easy bet to make. Again, doesn't mean it's going to win, but it's a bet that I feel like I have to make. So Jaguars plus six, Giants at anything over a field goal. The early thoughts right now for week number two. I I, I don't uh, I don't hate that second one. I I wonder though. It's kind of you know, we overreact, and that's why everybody. I like the Falcons a little bit too. By the way, plus twelve and a half against the Bucks, but yeah, I I don't like double digit numbers for anybody. I don't care who it is, who they're playing this early in the season. It's it, it's too wild, and that's exactly the point I was about to make. That Denver defense is is really good, but I wonder if you're if you're Jason Garrett right now. What's your thought? Any any schnook, including me, would rightly say like, well, obviously the only chance you're going to have against that Washington defense if you're the Giants is to use and ride the aforementioned Saquon, right? I mean, that's that's your ch- your shot. You're not going to drop Danny Dimes back there against Chase Young and company and try and win the game on uh, on eight's arm. So if that's the script, I, I as low as that total is 41 and a half and it, and it begs you to go over, I'm going to take the under on that game. I'm going to avoid... Oh, a pick on who's going to win that game because they're both pretty flawed teams. I mean, Heineke, here's what's going to happen, by the way. A lot of people are going to are going to take D.C. here because they watched uh, Heineke kind of sort of get them back into the game against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Well, he was in good in that game. Like, I know he was. was he was good. I know. It's a Scott Mitchell kind of a thing, though. Like, settle, sure. settle down, everybody. It, that given... I mean, I did pick the Giants for what it's worth. Like, I didn't pick Washington, so I'm pretty sure. I know you didn't. I'm just I'm telling you what, what that is what's going to happen. And if you say if it were Fitz Magic, I think a lot of people are going to be like, this is how it should have been in the first place. Spoiler alert, neither option was great in 2021. Yeah, the old man or the kid is not a winning strategy if uh, if you're Washington this year. Um, all right, Costos. Well, I, mean, I could go on and on with you. I feel like we barely skimmed the surface of, of we pro do, football here. We, we, we could do a little bit more. Go ahead. Give me a good, good, you know what, time. spill. What, what, all right. Um, you know what I really like took away from week one? And I think this is 
not going to be something that a lot of people like had as one of their main takeaways. And I kind of regret a little bit, um, not like going, and I picked this team like to win and to cover as well as an underdog, but I wish I had kind of been firmer in my stance because I really believe that this was going to be the case. I think Arizona's defense has a chance to be pretty good. I kept like, saying it and, and people talked me out of it and now I regret it, but I'm going to point the finger in other directions because too many smart people told me, well, you're, you're wrong on this one, Dave. And I thought, okay, other people are better plugged in there. It does feel like in 20, I, I, as I have said, ad nauseum, it's not about overall dominant shutdown defense. You need playmakers, and that's what they have on the Cardinals. They have guys who can turn you over and disrupt three times over the course of a game, and that's enough in in uh, 2021. And, and I want to give a shout-out to um, a good friend of mine, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports, who I talk with a lot, and Pete's as plugged in as it gets. And Pete told me you know, before the season started, watch out for Cardinals rookie cornerback, Marco Wilson, who's got the mm. chance to be really good. So everyone's focused on Malcolm Butler. Like Malcolm Butler hasn't been good in years. So like, I, I, I don't really know how big of a loss that is. Um, so Marco Wilson's a guy that I think can step up. Isaiah Simmons looked like an absolute monster on Sunday. Zayvon Collins, obviously the bookend pass rushers with Jones and Watt. I'm not saying this is like the Steelers defense. Like that's not what I'm saying here. And I think the head coach is an absolute buffoon still. And like the, the early game management is like stuff that's like, how is this guy a coach in the National Football League? Looks like Ryan gosling but as oatmeal for brains i guess not a terrible I, 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 i've said it like. I, i've said it before i say it again I, i'm immune to his good looks people always hold him up as the gold standard i mean there are at least three coaches better looking than him in pro name them right name Lef- them lafleur lafleur is not better looking than, oh. than, than uh than, excuse me than uh than oh he 100 percent is he 100 percent is now he's a he, he's an uh an older fella now but pete he's Carroll, like cliff's like six four also like he's and I take this as me. I'm five foot seven. Like the height matters, man. Clips Cl- the statue, dude. I, I people will say I'm a homer for this one, but Mike Tomlin's a nice looking man. Yeah, he's not Cliff Kingsbury though. I, okay, yeah, sure. I just think it's a little overrated how handsome Cliff Kingsbury is. The team though, in that that is the 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 big takeaway by division is is that as everybody said beforehand no mulligan necessary that's where it's at this year the nfc west is a powerhouse i'm gonna stand by i'm not taking a mulligan even though um mr unlimited had a big day in indianapolis remember that, that mr unlimited that that's was fun still your fourth season. place team that's your fourth place team in that division tell me who i don't know man who they jump their in. defense looked their defense looked really good and now i know the colts are down to their third string left tackle and nelson's not 100 percent. that defensive line looked really good i think this is a fascinating game coming up sunday against tennessee i think they're gonna bomb them like they're gonna score a lot of points i want to see what this defense does here against the titans here with lawan set to bounce back taking the, the the onus on himself for letting chandler jones do what he did big game for Todd Downing, obviously, to show that he's not an absolute clown. So I think that's an interesting matchup coming up on Sunday is uh, Seahawks defense versus Titans offense. I have a couple other quick ones for you. Um, I I think, and I said this before the year, um, I think Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, that coaching combination, has a chance to be really good. Hmm. And I think I was kind of like the contrarian take there. Uh, I would rather bet the Eagles at this point than the Giants or Washington to win the division. Um, Dallas probably still the class of it. Philly's offensive line is good. Philly's run defense is really good. Uh, I think Sirianni's pretty underrated right now, and I think that's going to change as time goes on. Atlanta looked like a total disaster. I still think they're going to cover on Sunday against Tampa against a big number, but Atlanta kind of was uninspiring there in Arthur Smith's debut. What else do I got for you here? Um, I'm worried about the Packers. I still think they'll, they're going to win like probably nine or ten games this year. 
I wish I had kind of stuck to my guns that this team had disaster potential. That's as bad as it gets. I, man, I love, I love, I think I like the lions catching double digits on Monday night. Next well, week. I, I say that as a general rule, double digits this early in the season is, is just not great. I, it, it it's just too, uh, I do think though, specific to Rogers and the Packers, I love melodrama as long as it does. Same thing with me. Like cousin Sal is great to be around. As I always say with the asterisk, he's a great, he's the best coworker in the country because he always makes it lots of fun to be around as long as you're not the one in his crosshairs. Um, same thing for me with, I love the football melodrama as long as we're not talking about my team. I let, let have it somewhere else. The, the thing that undermines it, though, is no one in that division is going to chat. The Packers end up winning that thing. And by the way, they're going to still wind up with 11 wins just because there's it's dreck otherwise. The Vikings, as I foretold, are not going to be relevant this year. The Ravens are the ones that a lot of people were very high on. How concerned? What's your concern level on the Ravens? I, I, I will continue to say that's not a playoff team we're looking at. I think probably like towards the end of the playoff like field if they're able to get in. It's a brutal schedule, obviously, to start the year here. They're not healthy. I, I think that Harbaugh is such a good coach, and as they get healthier, they'll improve as the season goes along. And remember what? They were 6-5 and five last year after like a couple of the COVID uh, situations, a couple of them rattled off five straight and got into the playoffs. So I don't think something like that's outside the realm. But I think early on in the season, I think, um, think Baltimore is obviously in a spot of trouble here. So I have to agree with you there. Lamar Jackson equals Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox. Great against mediocrity. And by the way, again, the Raiders are mediocre. I guess I shouldn't talk too much about that before. Well, the Braves they, got a chip, go man. The Braves beat the Indians in 95. Glavin was World Series MVP. So can, can Lamar get that done? I think it's possible. Same thing, right. Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox celebrated individual awards and dominance Avery, and great teams and everything you. else. Yeah. Same thing as Lamar Jackson. Didn't equal great postseason success. They snuck through once. All those divisions. One title. I think that's kind of the fate for Lamar Jackson there. And I think that the Ravens kind of understand that. And I think the world should kind of see what I have been saying now, that it, things have to be just so for Lamar He's he's dynamite. He's special. You can have everything played just right and he can still whip you. And that's a gut punch. But that doesn't make them week in and week out. Uh, We'll see against uh, against Kansas City because their Achilles heel is that defense is the Browns just showed. That takes me quickly to the Browns. You say the Jags, you like them. Same number, 12 and a half for the Texans going into Cleveland. How say you? That number's too heavy for me to take bacon company. I think I'm probably more apt to lay it with the Browns in this game. And like, I am not saying that's like a pick for me. Like I still need to do a lot more thinking about these games as we do this on like Tuesday morning, early afternoon on the East coast. My initial thought would be, I mean, this is a game where the Browns can literally win like 27, three, like that's, that's a thing that could actually happen. If we think I love just as an aside and it kind of dovetails in with what I'm saying here. Like if we're going to kill urban, I think we need to praise Kevin Stefanski, right? I know they lost the game. You got to love Stefanski coming out early, going for it on fourth down on the opening drive, going for two, like knowing like you're not going to beat Kansas City with field goals. I know they lost the game. I love Kevin Stefanski here. So this is not like Urban Meyer and like the Jaguars coaching staff. Like this is Stefanski and his crew that the Texans have to deal with coming up on Sunday. So my thought would be at this point to lay it with the Browns. Not an official pick yet at this point, though, but that would be my my initial lean would be Cleveland. I mean, the the pick at some point, you know, Bake loves to say talk is cheap, but those fourth quarter picks are for real. Uh, he's skipping the ball too. Like I don't know if he's got it. Like as far as like it is concerned, even with and I know Beckham wasn't there, but 
you can't make some of the throws this guy makes, whether Beckham's there or not. Like, they're concerning. They could still win 11, 12 games this year. That's still possible. I just don't think, like, their ultimate... People are picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Like, no way. They're going to win no the way. division. You're not going to put the Steelers or Ravens or even the 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 Bungles ahead of the Browns, right? You you still got Cleveland uh, number one? Yeah, I just think, like, the roster is, like, is really good. Like, one through 53 is really good. Like, they fell short against probably the best team in football or the second best team. Talk about like, melodrama. Talk about the melodrama that looms. Bake has a great game. They're rolling. They're going to take down the juggernaut of the uh, of the last half decade in Arrowhead. All of that. And then he throws that pick. Doesn't have his contract. He doesn't care. He's all about winning. And I love his swagger, what that means to that city and to that fan base that's been down for so long. I completely get all of it. But that pressure is going to mount on him. If he if he has a couple more of those in critical spots and knowing that if he does that in big spots, that he ain't getting that 40-plus million from the Browns, that that's something to watch. More melodrama in that one. Really, really. Also, can the moron punter catch the ball? Like, how about this, William? A, get a haircut. B, catch the ball. Like, let's focus on that coming up this week. Idiot. Almost cost me my cover on Sunday with the Browns plus six. Moron. Thankfully, thankfully, though, they ended up. I mean, the stylistic matchup of it it always it never plays out as juicy as you as you think in the um, before it kicks off. But all of us, but Chiefs. Um, going into Baltimore now. I mean, the Ravens, by any measure, I don't care if there's an extra game this year or not. 0-2 is 0-2, and that'll be grim if they fall, and they should be able to run on KC. You saw Nick Chubb running literally untouched on a pro football The Chiefs are going to bomb them, though, like through the air. Like, that's just a thing that's going to happen. I agree. I agree, and that's bad, and that will further expose what I've been saying uh, this whole season. And and will I get credit for it? No, I won't. Um, All right, listen, I I could go on and on here with you, Nick. Uh, It's great stuff. Spaghetti, any final thoughts, any questions you want to throw Nick's way? No, I'm, I have to give Nick praise. Nick was right. We, we tweeted about it, and he was right. He was right, and he came on the show. Uh, I was wrong. I bought in because that's what the Giants organization does. They make you buy that's in okay. year in, year out when there's no improvement, and I'm finally starting to see the light. And, uh, again, I, I, I'll eat my plate of crow. Nick was right, and it's always a pleasure having him. Well, on. wait so a second. Like One more thing I do have to ask about. That's great, man. One number. <laughs> but you were you were being sarcastic about Saquon, or you weren't? I'm not clear. Of course I oh, was. okay, okay. The worst all right. pick I, I of all know. time. Yeah, but, of course. That's when you do better <laughs> Fired after we made that pick. See, there was the see. I was being ironic about your being ironic, and then you didn't get anyway. Um, I one other thing for you. By the way, with Herb, where Herb's concerned leaving the Jags, who's to say that USC would definitely want him I, I, for real? I, I, if you're USC and you're trying to right the ship after so many terrible decisions about old USC guys, and they are right, uh, I, it, they'd be loco if they hire yet another USC alumni or someone from their glory days, another uh, underling of Pete Carroll. That would be uh, a bad move. But Urban Meyer, uh, he he doesn't stay anywhere. It would be crazy if they took All he does is win national championships wherever he goes. Okay, I know. Why would you want Urban Meyer to be your college coach? Yeah, I think that would be a little crazy if he ditches right now. And it would ha- we would have to find that out this week, right? Well, I guess not. I guess uh, USC could let that. Oh, USC, yeah. They could roll through the year at the interim coach and he could leave at the end if of the year. If he whispered, like, right, you're right. I guess you could just say like, uh, yeah, but uh, poor kids that are there right now playing the season. Wait. Yeah, we're, we're what a tough games. life they've got now. Now be able to make money off their name and likeness and play for USC in Southern California. It must be a terrible life, man. Are you being sarcastic again? 
No, okay. never. Hey, last thing though, since you're since you're there, I do want to get your thoughts. As a reminder, as I always say to people who root for the Ravens or the Steelers, remember it could always be worse. You could root for one of the teams from Ohio in the division. Same thing for Giants fans. It could always be worse. You could be rooting for the team in green. A, I thought there were some. I actually thought it wasn't as grim as everybody made it out to be. Or by halftime, it was like, oh, my God, this is uh, another train wreck season coming together for our Jets. Um, plus five and a half as Mac Jones and company roll into town. Any initial thoughts, any leaning uh, early on here this week? I thought it was funny that the Patriots opened at like three and a half. Like that number was never going to last here. Um, I think right now, it, for me, it would be a lay it or don't play it with the Patriots. Um, not ready to kind of like firm put that in stone yet here. Um, I'll say this though, just about last week, um, Wilson was not good in the first half. I thought he was pretty good in the second half. I think the jets are going to be fun this year. Like the defense and it's the same take as before the year, the defense is going to be brutal. They don't have the talent. So like Salah could be as great a coach as like, you could, he could be like the, the next coming, the next great defensive coach. It doesn't matter. Like the talent's not there. So it's going to take some time, but I like Joe Douglas, the general manager here. I think they're going to be a scrappy team. I think they're going to score a lot of points this year, actually. And Wilson missed Elijah Moore on like a number of deep throws where if he hauls those in, it's it's a different game. And like they can they hit that two-point conversion. They cover the spread. Maybe all the thoughts are a little different here, especially amongst gamblers here. So um, I never expected the Jets to be good. The season boils down to if Zach Wilson's good, who cares? Like if they win three games, if they win eight games, like they're not going to the playoffs. The division's good. If Wilson's good, it doesn't really matter. It was like... Eli's rookie year in 2004 and I covered the team that year and people were killing Eli down the stretch like he was terrible in the Ravens game Ray Lewis was talking about it on the broadcast last night I, I watched Eli against your Steelers outplay Ben Roethlisberger in that game despite the fact that the Steelers won got hosed on a couple like bogus calls at the end of that game he was great in Cincinnati in week 16 Carson Palmer ended up you know, hooking up with Hushman Zad at the end of the game to win it and then in week 17 against the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football magnificent down the stretch game winning drive audibles to a run Tiki scores to win the game and you knew it that moment I did at least Eli's going to be special and I remember reading football outsiders and the historical compass Billy Joe Tolliver and then I never read that garbage again so I think if Zach Wilson shows you something whether it's early or down the stretch that's all you need as a Jets fan here so that's kind of how I view the Jets this year I think they're going to be sneaky fun I I agree it's got to be kind of liberating it that's what the Jets have over the Giants right now in in terms of fan appeal yeah we have no hope our quarterback stinks like right. this season it sucks it's done I mean, that's a little harsh for poor Eddie Spaghetti to hear, but I appreciate you. Oh, but here's the, the good news, though. But here's the good news, though. Two first round picks next year. Hopefully, like, hopefully this season's a total train wreck. So, like, Gettleman gets fired. That's got to happen. And then new GM comes in, two first round picks. Hopefully, Dime sucks. Get him out of town. Get a new quarterback. And the rest of the roster is actually pretty good. Like, the defense is going to be good. There are weapons here. They can continue to improve the offensive line. Like that's that's what we need to happen. Well, if you have two firsts, when you have two yes. first round picks, that's great because you can use one of those on a running back, and then that really gets you going in the yeah, right direction. Yeah, right, Bijan Robinson and Saquon Barkley, best one-two punch in football. You're the best uh, one-two punch. I don't even know what that means, but yes, I agree with you that if Zach Wilson is good, the Jets. That's what Dan Hanzus, our pal, told us as well. I do think it's a it's a nice uh, fun spot to be in. You know, you're not going to beat the Bills or the Patriots or the Dolphins this year anyway. You get to sit back and you watch the kid mature. It's a Troy Aikman in '89 type of situation because I'm with you 100 percent on Joe Douglas making that team right over the long haul. Anyway. Don't wait for the long haul. Get in on it now. You better, you bet. 
Costos doing gangbusters work there every day for you, chopping it up. He doesn't get sidetracked with this, that, or the other like Peyton or Eli. He focuses in with laser focus and a little bit of sarcasm for you mixed in, telling you the right way to go with all your bets. Thanks so much, Nick. Look forward to Kibbison with you soon, fellow. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, now that we're officially in football season, I feel like I have to bring in my WWE catchphrase here to the show. So for the first time, hopefully not the last year, Dave, on your podcast, I'm wishing you and all your great listeners minimal sweats, winning bets, and the absolute very best of luck. Did you just have to read that? No, read. I, I don't I ad lib everything in my entire life. I, everything. I, all right. I don't know. You have your glasses on and you were like looking. These off. are blue light glasses. You were like I'm staring at screens off, all day. Like you have to headache. read your own scripted nonsense. I don't matter. Oh my God. Do you really believe that, man? I don't know. You're, I, I just know your hair looks terrific. That's what that, that that's all I can see when I look your way. It's almost like ponytail length at this point again, which is pretty exciting. That's in vogue. You saw Aaron Rodgers. So I'll work. I, out I had it last year. I, br- I brought the ponytail back. And by the way, and I got the, uh, I, I, I don't know if you know who Jack Grealish is, no, the spaghetti. Uh, soccer player. I, I, I don't, but Spaghetti, you might want to cut off Nick here because you don't want to catch him bragging about institute <laughs> bringing back ponytails for men. That's not something you care. want. You don't want that on your yeah, Wikipedia page. Put it on my, I don't, I, you think, I, I don't, I don't care, man. <laughs> I just, I know, I love my fashion sense. I think that I look great. People don't have to like it if they don't want to. That's cool, but I'm going to be me and that's it. So, that's well, that. the cardinal rule is, as I always tell, as I always tell people, you ain't like when go- other guys get into you for your fashion, who cares? The, the goal is, what do the people you hope to be appealing to think? Does your well, girlfriend like for. it? Yeah, she, she likes it enough since she's still with me, so yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, like, yeah, Eddie Spaghetti looks ridiculous in his tank tops. Everyone can see that, but if Jade is willing to deal with it, it's not our issue, is it? I don't, I don't, I, 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 try, I try to hate on it. Everyone's fashion sense is their own, man. You come on here looking like an English professor. You need, like, one of those tweed jackets with patches on the elbows, so, man, I don't, I don't come on and say that. This looks, well, you just said it, but yes, the, this mustache looks dynamite, doesn't it? Like I got a beard underneath, but the thick mustache, I, I, I really look like Wade Garrett in, in, uh, can I, can I give you just, just, just a piece of, I look like uh, a gunslinger from the old West, you know, unsolicited. don't cheat on me. me and don't cheat on me if we're playing poker. Cause you'll, you'll wind up uh six feet under. Yeah. in the saloon, like with your six shooter, I like That's it. Right. Uh, what I would do if I were you unsolicited advice and i don't think it looks bad so this is not saying it looks bad i think you should shave the beard and like let the mustache really sing and stand out that's what i would do but that, that, that's for you that to may be coming that may be coming i don't know yet let's see what football does to me let's see what it does to all of us hey broadway joe wore it he's from my neck of the woods and he looked good in it and you look almost as good as he did so there you go i'm i'm not a thrower of the football i'm a passer of the football i'm from beaver county but then i went to tuscaloosa and played for i used to produce for him on nfl radio and like the way that he used to pronounce like he called at the time giants head coach tom coughlin well you know tom coughlin i love tom coughlin and i'm just like man that's like not even from scotland now like he's from the the, the glass from tom coughlin from glasgow tom yeah you know tom coughlin and i'm like man like that's he's won two super bowls and like that's not even close to how you pronounce oh sweet jesus i don't know if it's uh, if me overreacting to the your man bun but that is the worst nameth impression i've ever heard in my life it's very hard i did i do give you credit or i did for trying because pittsburgh to tuscaloosa it's very hard to new york that's a bad blend 
Whatever the sentence is, it has to start with, well, you know, followed by whatever it is that you have to say. He's not so much a thrower as he is a, I want to kiss you. All right. I want to kiss you, Nick Costos, uh, but I'll leave that to your girlfriend. Um, (laughs) You can go uh, kiss Cliff Kingsbury at your will. I don't know. Um, All right. Good stuff. You better, you bet. We'll kib it soon. And let's, uh, when I come on your show next time, let's have a good uh, what if ready to go. A good NFL ready. A, a new one, though, because there's some good new ones out there all of a sudden these okay. days. Um, all right. Until then, the great Nick Costos. Check him out five days a week doing gangbusters work. Peace. All right. I think we've said more than enough for this day, right, Eddie Spaghetti? Uh, yeah, I, I guess you gotta so. save guess, your pipes uh, for those fans who are... got to save your pipes uh, for yeah. uh, Jen Piacente and the debut on Wednesday. Be on the lookout for that one. Fantasy talk on extra points. Speaking of extra points, me and cousin Sal getting into the new studio. Looking forward to that on Wednesday to set you up for the upcoming weekend of action. So make sure you're checking that out and all the great work on extra points network and for Eddie spaghetti and Nick Costos. 48 hours from now, we'll be joined by Kevin Hench. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.